Welcome to the Mindful Paths podcast with Nick Bay and Harry Kalimnios, where we explore the fascinating world of mindset, mindfulness, fitness, well-being, vitality, leadership, and of course, personal development. Our goal is to provide you with insights to help you live a more fulfilling, happier, and healthier life. So if you're striving to be a better parent, friend, leader, colleague, or boss, or if you simply want to be more mindful and aware of the world around you, then this Mindful Past podcast is going to be for you. We invite you to eavesdrop on our conversations, and we challenge you to discover a new insight to help you on your own journey towards personal growth and positive change. So sit back, relax, and let's begin our journey together on the Mindful Past podcast. Harry, it's uh, it's the new year. Uh, welcome, everyone, back to the first recording we're doing in the new year. I know we've already released one episode in the new year, but we recorded that pre-Christmas. Uh, so the date today is the 12th of January. And um, I'm opening up with the introduction today because it's been an interesting Christmas period, particularly for Harry, for those that are close to him, I already know. But for those that are regular listeners that aren't aware, we've talked a lot on this show about my dad and him being in palliative care and, and battling cancer and you know, the preparations it, it takes to to try and accept the inevitable that at some point I'm going to lose my dad. And, and Harry's been integral to supporting me on that journey and helping me with coping mechanisms and bits and pieces. Uh, but very sadly and unexpectedly, on Christmas Eve, Harry actually lost his father, um, which caught Harry by surprise, caught everybody by surprise. There's us on this show for the last, you know, best part of a year talking about the situation that I've been in with my family. And it just goes to show that actually sometimes things happen that we just don't expect. Um, and we decided to record this show where Harry is, of course, still very vulnerable, still processing the news to keep it real, to bring everyone um, into the conversation that me and Harry would be having as if we were friends, you know, catching up and talking about it and processing it directly. So making a slightly different introduction today, just to bring you all into a little bit of context, but obviously I'm delighted to see my friend today. I'm delighted to catch up with you, Harry. So happy new year, sir, for, for whatever yeah. that might mean in whatever context that you may yeah. take that in this moment. And um, yeah, look, really, really good to, really good to see you. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's really nice to chat and connect. And as you, as you said to everyone, so my dad, unexpectedly passed away on Christmas Eve. And um, I mean, to, to kind of set the scene, I mean, I, I was actually in Brighton. I'd gone on the, a couple of days earlier to Brighton. And I was I was actually in the house doing, this was around nine in the morning. So I was just finishing up a, a yoga session at home and feeling kind of blissed out. And I had my phone on. Normally my phone's off or it's on silent because I was, I don't have internet there. So I was streaming the YouTube uh, video from my phone but i didn't hear there was no interruption or anything like that to the to the signal um but my sister was calling me and then finally i i, I spot, spotted it at 9 20 and she was like you know there's an emergency with dad you know and then a few minutes later my mum managed to call um and i mean to be honest the hardest thing for me right now even talking about it is hearing my mum's voice at the end of the phone in that kind of panic state because she was there the paramedics by then had arrived but i think it took them maybe 25 30 minutes to get there from from the call um you know my mum was um had been doing cpr um like so my dad had just come out the shower walked back to the the room and was like you know arm out of breath and, and everything and um and then they were literally getting ready to drive down to brighton um and you know hearing my mum's voice and being you know, miles away, which, you know, unfortunately as well, the, the irony as well is that 
when my dad, as some regular listeners know, uh, back in April, I think it was, went into hospital um, because he had like low blood oxygen at the time. And I was in Brighton again there. And so it's like, you know, and I'm not in Brighton very often, but it's just, you know, you can do all you can do. And then the one time that you're away, you know, you, you, you know, things happen. So you can't kind of always live to always be there because you don't you just don't know what's going to happen. But um, anyway, so I, at the time, you know, the paramedics were working, I was at my house. So I, I rushed around to my other sister's house because um, my car was there. And um, by the time I picked up the car, you know, my, my sister told me that our other sister who had had arrived uh, on, the, on the scene so that he hadn't made it. Um, so I, I mean, actually, obviously it was massive bombshell and shock, um, but I do distinctly remember, um, and, you know, we, t- we talk about breathing all the time, uh, but one of the things I did as soon as I heard 10.30 was take all these breaths, like really, like really, because I was in a hugely stressful state and I knew that I was going to be driving up to London uh, in a few minutes. And so I was doing some of the practices like the breathing stuff, you know, I had the tears, had the emotion, you know, settled down after a few minutes and then, you know, drove up to London in about 90 minutes. And then, um, you know, I was with my mum until um, the, the coroner and uh, not the coroner, but the funeral people came and then took the, the body away. Um, and I did go in and, and see my dad. It's really weird. I mean, I don't know if any any listeners or yourself have ever seen a, a, a dead body. I remember with my gran, when she passed away in 2010, and I, you know, we went there at like three in the morning to the hospital with my mum. It for me, when when I see the body, I don't see the person because the person has the essence is gone, and it, gone. to me, yeah. it, it was really weird. I mean, my friends, I spoke to a couple of friends on the day, and, and you know, one whose whose mother in law and father in law passed away not that long ago, and he was like, you know, you need, maybe you should go and see the body. And so I did go up there, but you know, we had like five ten minutes each, like me, my sister, my mum, to sort of say goodbye. But for me, the body is the body, and I, I remember like. When I did my ayahuasca, I think we talked about it. One of the things I, I felt in one of the sessions was this idea that this body is just the vehicle. It's like, you know, you know, the soul is so much more. And so when the soul has kind of departed the body, my dad is the the stuff around that, not not the physical body, um, which actually brings me some comfort. It might sound different, weird to other people, but, um, you know, my sister's asking me if I want to see, see the see the body before it goes in like for the funeral stuff but i don't think i do uh, because it's not it's not for me to say goodbye to that 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 body it's like that my dad is around yeah my dad's around in everything i do you know when i prep my food and i when i do think it's really weird so spirit it's the spirit in the the as you say the aura or whatever but it's interesting really weird i haven't seen a body i've had the opportunity to and my grandparents passed away many years ago um, and actually, my mum saw my grandpa. My mum was very, very close to my dad's dad. And she she said that you, well, you know, she said you always remember the last time. She always had the image of the last time she saw my grandpa. Yeah. She doesn't want me to have that image. She wants me to remember yeah. the, one, the, 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 the body with life, not the body without. And um, yeah. it'd be interesting because I'm going to have probably going to have this same quandary yeah. as to whether I see my dad when that time comes or whether I don't. And I think I've... Mm. I, I don't want to because of what my mum said, but whether I do or not on the moment, it's really hard to predict how I'll feel at that time. Yeah, it, um, it is hard. And you, don't, you do. I mean, I remember my grand's that that image and my dad's image, but I have done 
there are some you know scrambling techniques within nlp that i've used actually um you know because you kind of make the image a bit darker a bit fuzzier and, and things like that and actually they do work and it, and it takes the charge off it so even though i can see i can see them i haven't forgotten the image but um the charge is not there you know the charge in my emotions is not there um and you know we've been looking at lots of photos recently of my dad because we're, we're collating like over a thousand photos to to show at the funeral or the, the the thing at the house afterwards and and that's kind of how you're remembering him right not yeah. like like there i mean he was looking my mom was like you know she was in tears but she's like oh he just looks like he's sleeping like he's gonna wake up the one saving grace i mean like in that moment and i think i put, put about it in my post is that you know because they were getting ready to go to brighton my mom could have been in the car or she could have been like packing the car but she was actually in the bedroom so she was with him she was with him which is lovely she was with him and she and he knew that she was trying to save his life and holding her hand and holding his hand and giving the cpr and doing all of that so i think you know other than maybe dying in your sleep overnight with your family downstairs like that's probably one of the better ways to go right you know your wife for 52 years fighting to save your life and in your own home in your own bedroom because Part of me is like, okay, let's say that he'd been revived and then he goes into hospital and then hospitals generally are not places that I would choose for people to go and recover a lot of the time because they tend not to. Like my grand died in hospital and a few other things and she was fine up until she started going into hospital. Um, but it's better, I think, that he passed in his own home with his Yeah, I agree. You know, so. I think um, it, interestingly, so bringing my, my dad's situation into context for the moment. So there's a celebration today as well, which I almost feel oh, yeah. um, awkward bringing up, right? But it's my parents' 50th wedding anniversary wow. today. We're celebrating it tomorrow. Um, and I know that this is something that I, all of our family were desperately hoping my dad would be okay for. And he's, you know, touch wood. And we, you know, we were celebrating tomorrow. He's still with us tomorrow. Then we're gonna. He's gonna be there in in person to be be part of that celebration. Celebrate fifty years of marriage with my mum. And um, but you know, he's had to. I, I'm bringing it into context what you just mentioned. We've had. He's had to let us know a few things about some of the decisions he's made, and one of those is not to be resuscitated. Mm. Um, and it's interesting because, as you say, a lot of people, you know, when you die, it's often it's often heart failure. We're talking off air earlier. Whether. You know, that's just what ultimately goes. It doesn't mean that's actually what what it was. Yeah, it's just that's yeah. the bit fails that, that causes the death. But there was he was saying, look, I'm 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 choosing not to be resuscitated because it's not like in the movies. It's like mm. when they all come in. I have a, a weak body. It's you know it, it could break ribs. It could be very painful. Yeah. And yeah. and I may never recover. I may have brain damage. All these different things. But he's like, I'm just letting you know that that's that's something that I've selected. Mm. Um, but also, I feel very grateful, thankful, um, whatever the word might be that. I've had the opportunity to, I guess, prepare myself as best as anyone could prepare themselves for these kind of things, right? Um, while I'm I'm devastated that my dad has this terminal illness, um, it's given us an opportunity to to do things like you mentioned before, to go with those fifty questions, to mm-hmm. to enjoy time, to try and see as much of him as I possibly can while, while I still can. But it's interesting you mentioned earlier that you said that you've been fine. But most of the time, I say fine in inverted commas, right? But until you kind of speak to your mum and then the emotions come out, right? Um, so I wrote, I've got to do a speech for my parents. And obviously by the time this goes out live, um, I hopefully would have delivered it. And I wrote it yesterday, fine. I've, I've written it into a poem. I've, I've, I've made a poem that kind of coincides with the vowels that they would have made 50 years ago. Um, so for example, and it's a, it's a 
30 verse poem, but things like in times of ritual poor, where they found the way after the wealth isn't financial, it's family and play. And I'll just sort of go on with a little bit of thing and using the, the lines of, of the thing to bring it up. And I wrote it pretty fine. I was pretty happy with that finished. And I thought, you know what, I'll, I'll read it to Lucy, my wife yesterday to see, just see what she thinks. Um, check it's happy, check it's, it's not too long. And you know, it kind of works. And then within the, within the poem, there are certain bits where I actually quote my dad and there's certain bits which bring back difficult memories. So my family have been, my parents have been through a stillborn. Um, they've had a couple of miscarriages. You know, like anyone in 50 years, you, you've, you've met with yeah. challenges that test you, right? So that's in the poem. But I've also mentioned some of the fun times we've had, family holidays in Turkey, France, living in tents, you know, having no money, growing up and hand-me-down clothes and things like that. And there's a couple of times where I impersonate my dad. Anyway, I thought it was all quite fun. I said, now, Lucy, coming through, I was in a really good space. Let me read this to you. Let me check if it's on the right tone. Within three lines, I was in floods of tears. Mm. And it's funny. I had no idea it would come through until I read it to Lucy. Wow. And then who also is very close, my wife, someone I love dearly. And then it was talking about something really personal to me. And yet I'd been writing this for a couple of hours and hadn't shown any emotion at all in the writing. It was yeah. more in the creative spirit. But the second I started reading it out loud, and as this is a good example of how coaching makes a difference, we can think things in our head and not get emotional. But the second mm. we say things out loud or we're with someone that we trust and we love, emotions can just be turned immediately on like a waterfall. Wow. And um, yeah, I, I struggled to get through it. I, I'm really delighted that I managed to do it because I'm hoping now with practice by the time the day comes, which is only tomorrow, those yeah. same emotions won't perhaps come up as strong. But um, maybe I will if they're in if they're in presence. I mean, that's got me thinking because I'm going to say some words next uh, next week at the funeral. Um, so I think all the three of us are we're going to say different bits. Um, and I I was like saying, well, I'm not going to write the speech because I normally I, I, I tell people don't write a speech, right? Just write the plan. And so I just got notes of what I, like things I want to cover, like you know sure. him building my bikes when we were kids, and uh, you know building my basketball thing, and you know, trying to do exercise with me in his 70s, all of that. But now I'm like thinking maybe I, because I will probably be in floods as well. Maybe I should have something more written down so I can pull back to it. So I might readdress how I, how I do that. So I've got like, you know, normally what I would do as well, um, and this might work for you if you, if you have it on, on a paper, I don't know if you're going to do that, but I always never print it size 12, always print it size like 16 or, or something like bigger like and 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 then ha and then have some keywords like size 24 so that yeah. you can be drawn to it really quickly when you're put tears in your eyes or things like that is what i would that's, that's good advice i might shift it up i'm probably going to print it and give it to them as a bit of a gift as well but yeah and there's a section in there um you know i've put a, a thing about you know, dad continues to fight bravely against um prostate cancers embrace and i would just say fuck cancer i say mm -hmm. but it can never erase uh, the love mum and dad have in sickness and in health makes me appreciate this in giving to others. We truly find wealth. So I'm trying to, those things that when you talk about cancer and stuff nice. in the show, I know it's going to make me emotional, yeah. um, but it was, it, it was funny. You said when you see, it's when you see your mum, it's when you mm. see your mum. It's when we well, saw also because she's been staying with me a lot. And so every time, um, so I, I let a lot of people know, like I let you know as well by, by a text. Right. And, and obviously older generations, she's been calling everyone. Sure. In Greece. And so she's been with me and, and so every time I'm hearing her <clears throat> in Greek talk about it to to people, or even in English talk about it to people, um, she's like in the other room, gone away, but I can hear it, and then that brings me <clears throat> very emotional as well. And so it's really hard because, but it's part of the process, right? Um, as well, all of these things are. And um, 
you know, I'm not sure what the stages of grief are. Some say there's five, seven, whatever, like, but certainly shock and, and, and denial is, is there. And I think I'm, we're probably still in all that shock stage and also that action stage where yeah. it's about getting things done, which is fine, which is good. It needs to happen, you know, like death certificate we did the other day and, um, you know, um, organizing the funeral stuff, getting some, like all of the practical stuff. And then there'll be time for like even more of the emotional stuff. There's been emotional stuff up to now, of course. Um, but I mean, so one of the things that really, it's obviously it happened on Christmas Eve, which was really rubbish. Um, but, you know, so I came up, picked up my mom and we drove down to my sis- mother's sisters in Brighton for about five or 6 p.m. Christmas Eve. And they were there with um, my sister's mother-in-law, who's also got, she was only given like one, not even one Christmas to live, like three Christmases ago. So she's made it through. Amazing. Beyond. Yeah. Yeah, I think she's got leukemia or something. Now she's in a, she's gone downhill a lot, I think, in the last week. So now my brother-in-law might have to drive down to Devon or Cornwall to sort that out. And it's all happening at once with our family, unfortunately. Um, But what was really nice was that even on Christmas Eve, you know, I think, you you know, and I think the listeners know that for about four, no, maybe coming up to five years now, uh, my mum, my sister and I have been doing this daily gratitude practice where we write things in our WhatsApp. Yeah. Even on that day, even on that day, she she wrote in her gratitude list. Uh, we all did, uh, and we have we haven't missed a day. Uh, we haven't missed a day since. And um, and it, and it's it's these little things, right? You know, the breathing, the gratitude. I mean, none of this is going to make it good or better or bring him back. But I mean, it, having the having the the self care practices, the those sorts of things. It, it just gives you a little bit more of a buffer. Um, yeah, I, think, I agree. You know, um, and, and I just, I feel that it, it is helping in some way. I mean, obviously, I think that where it's really going to hit um, for me will be in the months and years to come when you, like, suddenly, you know, because I, I often rely on my dad for, like, DIY type stuff, right? He's yeah. always agree with that. So when there's issues with the house and things like that, I'm like, oh, but, you know, well, that you know, and, and let's be clear like he's he's very, very good at DIY. I met your dad, I'm very oh, fortunate. I oh, feel very, brilliant. very fortunate that I met him. I've met him before, but I met him recently and I hadn't seen your dad for years. And, and yeah. I went to your place, you know, only a few months ago and, and had the wonderful opportunity to see your dad again. And we had a really good chat about the barbecue, amazing barbecue center he'd made his yeah. own design you know, in your yeah. house and he built your basketball rings. Yeah. And, and did all yeah. sorts. He very. He was an engineer, oh, yeah. wasn't he? I think engineer by training. Yeah, he was an engineer. He had a PhD. Um, he was a leading expert when he was working in plastic optical fibers, like fiber optics. Um, you know, got invited around the world to 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 lecture and, and things like that. And you know, speaking of your parents' fiftieth wedding anniversary, so my parents have been married over fifty-two years. Um, we didn't actually celebrate their fiftieth, really, which was, you know, because. During then, I guess it was it was 2021. There was still I don't know if there was still restrictions, but then my dad also was like, you know, in a tired kind of sort of state, and so wasn't really up for things. And I felt that was a real shame because they they never really celebrated. I think they did the 25th, but like, I, I think it's become a bigger thing in our family because my dad's made it right. So yeah, it's been giving him something to look forward to, something yeah. to aim towards, and you know, it's it, the hope often. When you're unwell is what keeps you going, right? And having something yeah, to aim absolutely. for and to hold, holding on, whatever. I thought a couple of quotes that my my wife says a lot, so I credit her with both of them. Although I'm sure she didn't come up with either. Um, 
when you're talking about your dad and and processing, and there are two that come to mind, and something that they're very present in my mind for when that that time comes as well, and not just with my dad, with anybody. Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna lose my dog at some point, which may sound um, I don't know, insensitive in the scheme of losing a parent, but we've had our dog right. for 16 years, and he's a he's a part part of our life. And when you're 16, he's not going to go on for too much longer. Um, but I don't, you know, my wife will always say it's better to have um, loved and lost than to have never loved at all. Mm, yeah. And grief is the price we pay for love. And I'm sure that's in a song somewhere. But um, yeah, you know, if it's it's important that the opportunity to grieve means you've had the opportunity uh, to love and well, um, that's it. celebrate and that's, that that love is both is, my mom. Um, like she's like, you know, we had like very happy life together. You know, no, no, no one ever cheated on anyone. Like they never argued, except for they had like you know normal marital disagreements about things. Uh, but they never fought or anything like that. Um, you know, she met him when she was 19. They got married by the time she was 20. He was 27 when they got married. So That's similar to my parents, 17. Yeah, yeah, has, like has seven year gap as well. My mum was married at 17. Oh, well, seven yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's it just, I mean, I, that'll, unless I live to 200, that'll probably not happen for me to to, to have been married for 52 years, but we'll never know. Um, and... I mean, so well, the way you live your life, you could definitely live to 100. Let's be fair. So yeah, anything's possible, that, Harry. Yeah, it could be possible. <laughs> You've optimized um, everything, right? That's definitely yeah, hopefully, in Hopefully, yeah. I know. I was looking at some photos. But your wife kills you off beforehand, yeah, which is a also of, a distinct possibility with the way you live your life. It's a photo of my 33rd <laughs> birthday. And this was in 2010, it would have been. And I, would it have been 2010? Yeah, 2010. But I looked, I think I look worse than I did do now. Like my, my, my color was not kind of there in the in the in the skin. I looked older than I probably do now. My my sister was saying, "Yeah, I think you're aging backwards." <laughs> like because we're looking at, but then engine had, button, isn't it? That's the way my dad. Yeah, yeah. Might be a I true mean, story. My the thing is like the big thing is that kids age you right. You can't if you have kids, you you age quicker. I mean that's that's what are you just, saying. You're saying easy, Harry. Come on, let's it not get aggressive. Happens. Come on. <laughs> it what are you just saying? I've got two kids. You say all the gold. Constant stress. Moisturize. You've got to moisturize. You know. Um, so <laughs> if I <laughs> ever have kids, I'm sure I'll age rapidly. But actually, one of the quotes that we've we've made these little cards, which is not really traditional in Greek culture to do, but they're more in Catholic culture. But we did it for my grand and my mum wanted it. So we've got these cards with um some pictures of my dad on and um, some quotes but one of the quotes that we we've got here i think it's from helen keller but we quite liked him put it on is what we have once enjoyed we can never lose all that we love deeply becomes a part of us and i really like really resonated with that um because like i said he he lives on in like not just your genetics and dna but like like i say like how how i arrange my utensils when i'm cooking food or how yeah. i chop the food or what i think about in terms of uh, things I do. And obviously we had our, you know, differences in terms of a lot of how we lived our lives. Like my dad never really <clears throat> exercised um, hugely until kind of lockdown when we started doing stuff together. But he was always willing to try out my lazy, crazy contraptions like those um, compression trousers that I bought for him and the the um, electrical stimulation on the feet to give him a bit of a boost up and rebounder. I bought him a rebounder so he would get on a, a trampoline and we would do resistance training. And this is in his late 70s, so um, fair play to him. So he was always good. Um, life and soul of the party. Now, we're actually collating, and this might be another thing which might be quite interesting for you to think about in the future. But <clears throat> so when I put the posts on Instagram and Facebook and then text messages that are coming through, all the comments that people have, who have met him you know some people just met him like once 25 years ago and they're like yeah he, he was so welcoming he invited us into his house and brought, gave us loads of food and all that and so we're just collating that to put that into a nice. little 
so that people can sort of uh, nice. see that. And and it's just like the way that a person touches your life is, you know, because because right now, most of the time, we're not physically seeing people, right? We're not physically, we haven't physically seen each other probably since September. A lot of the interactions you have with people are by text message or posts on Instagram, or whatever, which is a real shame. Um, but the point I'm trying to make with that is that the essence of that person it extends way beyond the physical three dimensions of that person. Um, so in that respect, I feel like, you know, his, his, his sense will be with us, um, forever, um, as, as it has been with my gran who had a massive influence on, on our family. Um, so, you know, we try to take the positives from things and, you know, what we talk about, um, like I say, nothing has any meaning except for the meaning you give it. And, this is one of the hardest circumstances where you choose to find the meaning that you want, right? I'm very grateful that, you know, I lived seven minutes away from my dad for the last three years. And, you know, other than when I was traveling, you know, we saw each other all the time. We had a good relationship. Other friends who've got in touch with me are like, you know, that tribute that you made was really touching. And it made me think about my own relationship because I don't have a relationship with my dad. And so there's so many things to be thankful for. And yes, we didn't really have time to prepare, but in a way, um, one of my favorite philosophies, uh, as you may know, is uh, Stoicism. And yeah. and one of the Stoic philosophies is is to kind of visualize the bad. Like a lot of time we talk about visualizing all your wonderful life. But for the last five or six years, I have been visualizing and preparing for this moment as much as anyone can do in their imagination. Listen, that's exactly where I've been, right? I, yeah. I did a run this morning. I, I ran, um, you know, to, to music. Sometimes I listen to podcasts, sometimes I run to other things. And today was just a music day because... I was in a, a run of visualizations and preparations for for the celebrations to come, to think about my dad, to think about what might happen when that time comes. I hope it doesn't mm. come soon, but there's a worry now that because he's made it to this date, we've got to mm. think, find the next goal, find the yeah. next thing to make him hold on a bit longer. So there's a there's a nervousness that once we've got through tomorrow, mm. you know, has he got to the bit he's been aiming for? Um, he's very, very sick. I mean, there's no doubt he's... Um, he's so when he's in away. palliative care, does that mean he's not in the house? Does he mean... Or... No, he's at home. He's at home, but he's got a, he's got a, a nurse that will come and look after him. He's, he's I mean, he's... And he listens to the show, so I've got to be slightly careful, but I hope put it, because I want to stay, as you say, always on the optimistic side of things, right? Mm. But, um, he's, you know, he's lost a lot of weight. His mobility now is, is very limited. Um, he's eating almost nothing right we've got to we're trying to i'm giving him protein shakes and things to try and get yeah. in he doesn't he doesn't want anything food wise no. and he's no. been very very sick so it's it's been difficult um there's certain things we can't do now because he's not strong enough to do the treatments not strong enough to do certain things so um yeah you know he's it's 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 not great i'm um, mm. always live in a place of hope that something else would come yeah. come, come in and, and maybe something yeah. will shift but at the same time i've got to be we've all got to be realistic that he has terminal cancer that they gave him initially three months, three years ago, a bit like your, wow. your mother-in-law, right? And he's still oh, holding yeah. on. So he's defied, he's defied science. He's defied the doctors. Um, but it, 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 you know, the cancer's not getting any smaller. It's getting bigger. It's, it's, it, it's everywhere. He's got a lot of pains at the hip replacements is eating through the bones. He probably, he's got femur problems now. I think it's probably eating through his femur. Um, you know, it wasn't an accident. It just broke because the cancer ate it away. So he's, you know, he's, he's not in, not in great shape and he's in a lot of discomfort and that's difficult. You see, when you see, come and see your dad and, you know, yeah. he's, he's in a lot of pain. He's not 
no appetite. You know, it's it's been very difficult. We've, we've had to line up the idea of tomorrow. So I don't know if he can actually make the celebration yet. We've got two options. One is he can hope. I th- I'm hoping. Is he do, where are you doing it? At the house or? No, no, it's it's at uh, their favourite location. It's a place called the Red Lion in Salisbury, where all family events seem to have happened since I've been growing up. But um, if not, we're going to set him up with a laptop link, and he'll 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 check in. We've got a big parties, 40, 50 or people coming, but he may have to link through laptop and sort of say hi. Um, there's no way he'll make the whole party with him and get him there or not. It's a bit of a, you know, um, ordeal's the wrong word. And he needs some planning to get in there yeah. in the first place and things like that. So yeah, you know, there's, there's, I was running this morning with that concern, emotional concern that, you know, once we've got through tomorrow, mm-hmm. I've got, we've got to find a goal to keep him going and keep pushing. Yeah. I mean, um, he's just had some more grandchildren, right? Arrive yeah. Yeah. Two, two, two new grandchildren, which is amazing, which is amazing. Um, they do need you do need a goal because like that's the thing my dad didn't really have like the last engineering goal I gave him was you know that beam that I've got in my gym yeah they yeah, spent yeah. like months researching weight the, the the right word and actually he was like coming alive with that and then and then he got excited designing my sister's like different ideas for my sister's house in Brighton and stuff um, and then obviously uh, baby Phoenix arrived in August so there was these little things. Um, you know, but they, we, you know, one of the things we talk about in my beat model, right, is purpose, right? You, you yeah. Need, you yeah. Need purpose. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, you've got to find, find that next thing for him to hang on to. I think that's same with my, my brother-in-law's mum is that, you know, there was like, she was hanging on to meet the new grandchild. She was hanging on to see the new house. And then now I'm not sure there is that thing. And, and she has gone, she got an infection and she was on antibiotics and she hasn't, she's, I think she has weekly blood transfusions. So yeah. My dad's, my dad had a seven hour transfusion last week. He was there for seven hours. It's pretty yeah. long trying to, trying to help things through. Um, oh, cause you're, you're, so they're in Salisbury, are they? They're in Salisbury. Yeah. How far is that from you? Uh, about two hours, just over. Okay. Yeah. But I've been down there a lot. Tried, tried to see him as much as possibly can driving back and forth. Um, yeah. just, just, just to nip in and, it's funny. <laughs> uh, I say it's funny. So me and my sister or, any, or my sisters and my brother, well, we'll go and see him and he's always looks like, you know, he's he's really struggling. And, and well, he'll say, looks, he is really, really struggling. But if I bring my wife, Lucy sees him or my brother-in-law, Biffy, uh, goes and sees him. He's always in really top form. And it's like, mm. they almost like, he doesn't ever seem as bad as you say he is. I'm like, I promise right. you, when I see him, this is not how he is. But when he sees yeah. you guys, it's almost like you perk him up or yeah, you find yeah, this yeah. inner energy, this inner it's in a place of just being, I'm um, before we're better today. Lucy's here. And it's like, oh, you know, that's so it's really not, you know, you kind of makes you feel there's inner strength in there. There's, there's, mm. you've got a positive mindset. I might probably drive him mad every time I see him. I said, look, dad, let's not talk about the pain you're in that we can't take away. Mm. Let's talk about what we can do. You know, we've got, you know, what have you enjoyed seeing today? We've got, you've got your eyes. Have you seen your grandchildren? What have you enjoyed doing? Mm. It's difficult. It's difficult. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard when you know, again, to see the positive. You know, you're at the end. I mean, I guess. The, one of the benefits, I suppose, of knowing your hen tools in is that you can put those arrangements in place so that, because the, the big thing is like, when it's a sudden unexpected death, you're like, what do we do? Like, so we had a big palaver with, you know, grave sites and this and the other. Then like now it's, you know, bills and finances and, you know, all of those things that like my dad would take care of. Like my mom, she doesn't cook and she doesn't drive on the motorway which is a, a big problem those two things she hasn't she's only filled up the car with petrol twice in 50 years or something like <laughs> yeah. that so like things like that she has to like learn which you know humans are adaptable and stuff um but you know it restricts her in terms of getting to brighton but but yeah then there's all the other stuff to deal with like the finances the admin all of that which 
is a, is an, and it got me thinking about like you know my own passing is that I'm not sure there, there just needs to be a way that there's a number that you call and then and then that's taking like and everything all your wishes that like they go I, I, want, I want this play track at my funeral I want to be cremated on this I want to be you know uh, these are the accounts that I've got and these are the the passwords or whatever like just everything sort of so you call one thing and then the, the family. I mean, in a way, it's, it gives you something to do, which is also really important because you you need to be a bit distracted. I mean, I, I've been at work this week uh, two two days, and I didn't share it with the kids, but but often I'm talking about things where then he'll jump into my mind. Like I'll say, "Oh, nothing means anything except when you give it," or when you're in a really stressful situation, yeah. breathe. And I'm like, I had a really stressful situation the other day, and I was breathing, and that helped me. And then I don't, I'm not talking about the thing, but it's coming into my head, and then I'm starting to kind of like well up a little bit um and so yeah it's just um it would be nice if there was just like that one thing where it's like so you don't have to take care of anything because now we've got to yeah. like think about all that like selling the house i, I thought i had a, an ingenious idea right so i went and saw my parents recently and obviously for the same reasons just preparing it make sure whatever mum knows how to do everything um yeah. you know when, when that time comes and it i said you know i thought because dad's not really someone to write you know he's, he's a farmer by trade right he's not someone who sat down writing lists and doing stuff it's just mm. we well, just you ask him to do something well, you just do it you know well how do you sort out the you know this out and the other dad how do you he's like well i don't know you just 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 do it it's, it's easy and I'm like, okay but we don't know so we need to know yeah. but you're not going to write it down so i said um well i've got a great idea why don't i came down with a recorder and i said look you tell me how it's done i'll just press record and then you haven't got to write anything down. We've got a, we've got a, mm. a record here where everything's done in audio, and we'll just follow those instructions. I thought that was that solves all the problems, right? Because we're trying yeah. to get these things done. Anyway, suggested this in the presence of a mum and dad, and mum went, "Nope, absolutely not. There is no way I'm listening to his voice. I could handle it. I can't do it. There's absolutely. I just will never listen to it." She said, "When he when he's gone, all pictures are coming down. I can't. I, w- I won't be able to look at his pit face mm. or hear his voice for, for, for a long time until I'm ready. Mm. Now, that's her way of preparing for what's to come. Yeah. But I was like, oh, there's me thinking it was a good idea without really thinking about the... Get the it transcribed. It, get it recorded and then get it transcribed. Transcribe it, yeah. She, yeah. But my mum, I mean, when we came back from Brighton, like, and this put tears in her eye, like, basically, his last everything that he was had written down because he had written down a plan of food for Christmas Eve and Boxing Day. He was a great cook as well, right? He was a great cook. So he wasn't doing Christmas Day, but he was going to do Christmas Eve and Boxing Day. So he was telling my mum what to get. He had the list, he had the timings, he had the the, the portions. So we still got that piece of paper because my mum obviously naturally didn't want to throw it away. So we're going to put that as part of the, the pack and the book and stuff. Um, but you know, it, it's hard. Like my mom is the opposite. I think she, we have so many photos around our house, which you may remember from coming to that house and so many albums and we're, we're sifting for the photos now. And actually we, we watched a bit of, um, you know, the, the, the questions that we did. Um, so I did with my dad, um, yeah. we recorded the video and I, I've got it on a, my Vimeo account and we watched a bit of that recently because we were trying to think of like a quote or a saying that he had said to put on the card but i could only watch bits of it i haven't watched all of it um but that was you know that was hard but it was it was nice to do um we i think what i'll do at some point is you know we'll put it on the big screen with like me my sisters and my mom and and watch all of it and you know have a good cry and, and everything but it I, I do recommend, and I know you've done it with your dad, and I recommend to the listeners, and I, I sent it, the questions out to maybe 10, 15 friends recently. I said, I'm so glad I did this. I mean, I'm so glad yeah, I did Yeah, me too. Um, me too. Yeah, and, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it, it links to a nice question, actually, that I'll have for you, um, which, again, I think it's some of the listeners are worth 
bearing in mind, right? There's a uh, it's, oh, it's not a parable, but it's it's something to think about. Which is if you if you were on your deathbed now, what are the ghosts that would come and visit you of the things you haven't done, the people you mm. haven't recorded, the things that matter. So it's worth putting into context. If you if you suddenly got a you know debilitating, uh, life threatening illness and you suddenly found yourself on a deathbed, mm. what ghosts would come and visit you right now? If you're listening to this, whether you're aged 18, 35, 85, it doesn't matter of the regrets or the things you haven't done. Now, I'm not a big believer in regrets anyway, but it's mm. worth having that that thought process. And I think from my perspective, my dad's already told me there's there's nothing. He said, I'm proud yeah. of my family. I've done everything yeah. I wanted to do. He said, I said, yeah, well, I don't want to write a book, you know, all that stuff. He said, yeah. I don't I don't get visited by any ghosts. So that gives that gives us all some comfort. Yeah. Then I said to him, okay, well then taking that level further, then there's um something called the five biggest regrets of 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 the dying and yeah. I'll read these yeah. out. You may know them, but one, the one particular one is I wish I hadn't worked so hard. My dad went, no, I'm not worried about that. You know, I've worked what I need yeah. to do and that's fine. I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. Yeah. Well, my dad's definitely living a life true to himself. Yeah. You know, he's, he's old yeah. school in that way. So that's, that's pretty easy. Um, I wish I had the courage to express my feelings. Um, certainly my dad's been more emotional in the last 20 years of my life than it was the first 20 years. And maybe that's a transition going from working on a farm to do other things, but I don't think that's a concern. Um, I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends. I mean, his best friend is, is my mum. And he's got a close knit group, which are all at the party we had in France, which we talked about on the show, and they're going to be there tomorrow. Um, and I wish I'd let myself be happier. Um, and I think the one thing my dad will say is he's not ready to go because he's absolutely loved every yeah. moment on this, on this earth. And um that gives me comfort as his son, but the five biggest uh, regrets of dying. And what I, what I would say is, if you're listening to this and any of those five points resonate with you, if any of these things are regrets that you think you might have, like wishing you hadn't worked so hard, like wishing you stayed in touch with your friends, then you, know, you don't know what's around the corner. Yeah. Take the opportunity to remove those from the list and let yourself be happier. Do stay in touch with those that are important to you. Do have the courage to express your feelings. Don't suppress grief. Don't suppress anger. Don't suppress any of those things. Let it out. And then you can live an authentic an authentic life. And I think, um, yeah. I think those things are worth thinking about. Because I know from even meeting your dad only a couple of times, yeah. I would be surprised if there are many ghosts that visited him. No, he, I, I was going to say, um, I, I know for sure there wouldn't be because one, even like, like not that long ago, he said, oh, look, because the last six months I've kind of stepped back a little bit of kind of getting to change things. I thought, you know what, he's got, however long he's got left, let's let's not try and get him to quit this and do this and whatever. And he goes, no, if I go today, I'm happy, right? You know, I, you know, I enjoy my life. And those five questions, again, he he would have no regrets. Like the work, like even the working life, for example, I remember when he came back to the UK that we were living in Greece when I was a baby and came back and he started working in Basildon. Um, but my mom was like, you're not going to see the kids like working in that. So he actually went from industry where he could have earned way more money uh, into academia so that he could have like the long holidays and yeah. time and do all that. So everything was about his family, you know, and yes, he had a successful academic career in international lecture and things like that. And but he it was always around the family. So everything like my parents made as decisions was about the family. Uh, so that wouldn't be an issue. He was always very happy. Um, can't remember all those other questions, but when you were reading them out, like, yeah, he would have none of those regrets at all. Like, you know, he, he was quite expressive. Um, he was very jovial. Everyone comments like he was warm. No one has a bad word to say about him. So I think he would be very happy and he was happy with, with his life. He had no regrets, you know, came to the UK at 18. By the way, he didn't actually know how to cook. He would, he, for the first six months he was here, 
he would go to King's Cross and go to like this fry up place and just eat fry ups all the time. And he was living with his sister, who's maybe like, I think six or eight years older and she passed away last year, but she had uh, two children who were like, maybe like young kids, but the way that he learned to cook and he would tell me is that his sister was very sly. And so she, he would, she would put something on that she was cooking and she'd go, I'm just going to go to the post office. Right. So when I'm gone, can you just add a little bit of salt, this, stir this, do that. And she did that progressively over time to the point where he surpassed her as a cook. And like, oh, great story. Everyone, yeah. Everyone comments on his cooking and that's how he learned how to cook. You know, and then cooking became his relaxation. So we always used to wait for him to come home from work. So we always used to eat very late because although he was working in academia, you know, by the time he finished, well, we finished school at like three o'clock. So by the time he finishes, it's like sort of six o'clock because he's lecturing, then he gets back at seven. And by the time he cook, and he used to take his time with cooking, it'd be like eight, eight thirty is when we used to eat. We had dinner at quarter past nine last night, mate. I know oh, it's bad, isn't it? Both well, my sister, she said she's well. in bed at nine o'clock. I was like, oh my God, we haven't even had dinner. Well, I went around to my folks, as you know, uh, yesterday with my sister and I cooked for, for my sister and my mum had a tiny bit. She's not really eating much. Um, but I think that was probably about 8.30 as well. So it was quite quite late for me. But interestingly, my aura says my, my stats were good because it was all good food. So my, my heart rate was quite low. But but um, yeah, so he became a great cook because of my, my aunt uh, kind of substitution uh, and stuff. So um, yeah. Maybe I'll try the same trick. I'm a bit worried though that I end up with a burnt down house. I'll say to Eva, okay, right, we're doing some pasta. It's boiling on the thing. I'll be back in 10, you know, just. Yeah, I mean, you I, should like do it, I like that. I, I mean, Eva's 13, right? I was cooking at 14, 12. 14. 14. Well, I was cooking at 12. I remember cooking my own stuff at about 12. And also because I was in the Scouts anyway, so we did a lot of cooking. So by the time you're 15, you're a, a patrol leader. So you're in charge of everyone else anyway um so i remember cooking through the scouts but also uh, with my dad um and so i would sometimes cook different things like just simple things like gr- grilled chicken or something like that and whatever but that was i remember from 12 years old doing doing food so it's, it's yeah never too i don't think it's too early like even with my nieces i'm getting them to like make the smoothies and learn how to chop with the knife under supervision and things like that and it's just it takes a longer in a way, because you think, oh, if, if I just folded the laundry, if I just chopped this, it would get quicker. But, you know, over like five or six years of getting them to do it, then suddenly you've got a helper, <laughs> you know, yeah. so it's, it's kind of worth worth uh, the pain for long-term gain. Well, a bit, a bit of prep for, for today, and only because we mentioned it in the last episode as well about a book that I really enjoyed, and actually I gave it to my mum for Christmas, a book called Letting Go, The Path yeah. of Surrender by David Hawkins. Yeah. There is a section here on grief, and um, that's not why the book resonated with me, but I, I had a, a reread of it coming into today, and it'd be in, I thought it might be in, hey, all the be um, something that might be worth just bringing to the fore. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's a, it's a big chapter, but a couple of bits I, I worked out. It says, grief is time-limited. The fact it, The fact gives us the courage and willingness to face grief. If we don't resist the feeling of grief and actually totally surrender to it, it'll run out in about 20, 10 to 20 minutes. Then it will stop for variable lengths of time. If we keep surrendering, surrendering to it every time it comes up, it will eventually run out. We just have to allow ourselves to experience it fully. We only have to tolerate an overwhelming grief for 10 to 20 minutes, and then all of a sudden it will disappear. However, mm-hmm. if we resist the grief, then it will go on and on. Suppressed grief can go on for years. I mm. thought um, I'd just ask you how it's been something it's I've, emotion I've never really experienced. And, you know, we're trying to lean into everything when it comes to mindfulness and, and be, you know, raise our awareness of everything. Is that how you've ex- has it been experienced for you so far? Has it come in those big waves of 10, 20 yeah. minutes? You're able to kind of collect your thoughts and then it comes back again? Or are I you, you letting say, grief in? 
I don't think it's even been that long. And this is why I think on some level I'm not dealing with it. And that's still why still processing. Still, yeah, I think at, that, at the moment I'm still in a, a shock stage because yes, I've had tears and welling up and emotions and even like earlier today and whatever, but it's not lasted that long. And it's not like my mum has had that with with the conversations that she's having, which I think is better because I don't think she dealt with the grief of losing her mum. She didn't deal with the grief of losing her dad. She lost her dad when she was, I think, in Greece. So it would have been about, she would have been like, I'm in that proper grief stage. I mean, I, I'm in that shock. And also, not denial, but almost like, like almost like I'm in an adventure. Like, even when I heard the news, and this sounds bad to say, I was like, oh, right, okay, you know, this is like being in a movie, right? And I'm like, there's, there's shit happening and I need to deal with it and, you know, whatever else. And so I'm not sure I've properly dealt with it and I want to um you know because I I tend to have a habit of like not dealing with sometimes emotions that that need to be dealt with so I, I think once I go through the funeral and, and a few other things yeah this year will be a year of investigating ways to deal with that because sometimes it's that breath work sometimes it's plant medicine sometimes it's just watching a movie sometimes it's just sitting with your thoughts sometimes it's just gonna be random but I don't. I definitely don't think I'm in that that stage where there's that it 10, 15, 20 tends to be. I think it tends to be harder for men. I think men yeah. suppress it more. I mean, there's a great song called "Cry Me a River." I think sometimes we need to do that, but for various mm. reasons, we we don't. And where you know that's that how innate that is as as between men and women. I don't know, but yeah. certainly suppressed grief seems to be more of an issue for men than it does does for women, which I think is quite interesting. Um, I, mean, I had a chat with a friend of mine called Tony who listens to the show, a good, good, really good friend of mine. And we were chatting when he lost his dad um, several years ago now, but um, he was saying that similar to you, shot, processed, everything was fine. He had, he had a girlfriend at the time. We're going back a, a, a few years ago. I think it must be over a decade ago, but whatever. He said, um, you know, did everything. And then on Christmas Day, she gave him a locket, which or, or a thing that opened up and it was a picture of him and his dad. And he said, I literally broke down. I was in that mm. room. I was probably crying, he said, for six or seven hours. I didn't leave the room. Wow. It was Christmas Day. I didn't come down. And it just, I just all hit me. I had no, I wasn't expecting it. I just opened this one picture, saw mm. it. And he said that was about six months after he'd lost his dad yeah. before that he thought he was handling really well and suddenly yeah. bang it hit him um, no, I think that's gonna happen to me i mean i had a moment like that on christmas day when i was um i'm gonna well up now as well but so okay. i was opening the presents um and the presents that my mum and dad had given me and um you know you open up the card and it's like you know love mum and dad and i'm like yeah and even like there's so many things that happen like so like on christmas eve we were in brighton and we were having pasta with sauce and it was the sauce that he had spent all day the day before cooking like special tomato sauce that takes ages and it's those things like so i can fully accept that there will be you know i mean even today when i got the cards delivered and you've seen the picture and i'm lighting the candle for him and it's all those things that's why i say like i think there'll be times in the months and years to come like you know when i hopefully maybe get married right there's going to be like when I have my first child, maybe, right? You yeah. know, especially if I have a son or something like that. That's all going to hit, hit. It's all going to be hitting. In I don't think um, it'll ever stop. But um, but yeah, so I think everyone processes it differently and different rates and different different ways. Um, I hope that I do process it because uh, I don't want to suppress it. Like um, I think like my mum did a little bit with my yeah. Ran, and I think that led to her. She she was physic she she was physically ill every night, 
I can believe it. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna uh, hold a great weight and toll on the body if you don't if you if you yeah. do suppress it. I mean, look to quote one of your favorite authors, one of your favorite books. Um, for you, Harry, you know, Frankel said that there is no need for man to be ashamed of tears, for tears bore witness that a man had the greatest of courage, the courage to suffer. Mm. Uh, I think it's a I think it's a problem. I think it's it's more talked about these days in terms of vulnerability and, and it being okay for men to cry and actually crying shows strength and and. And, and not weakness, and we don't need to suppress it for anybody. Um, let it out, um, or letting go, as the book is called, the pathway yeah. of surrender. I think surrender to it. But I know that's you know, easy for me to say at this side of 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 the court, you know, the conversation. Um, I mean, no, but it's all it's all valuable stuff, and 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 you know, sometimes even in the moment, being able to step back and like we talk about, everything's about awareness, and and step back and almost see the situation from a bird's eye view, and you know it it helps you process a little bit more because you can, you can see the whole picture to a greater degree than when sometimes you're in it. And so sometimes you need another person to be able to reflect that. Sometimes you've got the cognitive ability to be able to do that. Um, and so, like I say, I think right now, because it's still only two and a half weeks old, I strongly suspect I'm in the shock stage. Cause I know there's like the shock and there's denial and there's bargaining and there's anger. Um, you know, uh, at those stages, if if I experience them, are probably still to come. And then at some point there'll be acceptance. Um, but I don't think, yeah. I think I'm right at the beginning. Um, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll read a, I'll read a little bit more uh, from the book for anyone else that sure there's other listeners that are probably going through other kinds of trauma or still dealing with grief. But it says here in facing grief, we often have to have to, we often have to acknowledge and let go of our shame and embarrassment about having the feeling in the first place. For men, this is especially so. We have to relinquish our fear of the feeling and our fear of being swamped and overwhelmed by it. Helps us to realise that letting go of the resistance to the feeling moves us quickly through it. Um, and slightly earlier in that, we were talking about it earlier, it says um, most of us carry a great deal of suppressed grief. Men especially are prone to hide that particular feeling as it is considered unmanly and unmasculine to cry. Most people are afraid of the amount of grief they have suppressed. They are terrified they'll be swamped and overwhelmed if they let it out. People will say, if I were ever to start crying, I may never stop. There is so much grief in the world, grief in my life, grief in my family, grief in my friends, over the untold tragedies of life, all of the disappointments and smashed hopes. However, suppressed grief is responsible for many psychosomatic conditions and health-related complaints, and we need to let it go. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, again, very easy for me to say on the side of the conversation, and I'll ask you to quote some of this back to me when uh, when I need it, I'm sure, but... Yeah. Um, I'm absolutely devastated for you, and to, to get that news on Christmas Eve... Yeah. yeah, no. It means there'll be tears every sure. Christmas. That's for sure. <laughs> going forward, yeah. but tears of celebration as well, right? To celebrate oh, an amazing it. life, an amazing dad, an amazing person, yeah. an amazing cook. He touched a lot of people. Like his warmth, his generosity. Um, you know, like it's you know, it's about as good as you can get, right? It's about as good as you can get. I yeah. think. Um, and so, like I say, look, you can always find a positive. Right. You can dwell in the negatives and yes, you know, he's not there and my mom's alone and all this. Or you can say, look, how many people can say they had 52 years together, happy marriage? How many people can say they traveled the world together? Uh, they, they, you know, and they had you know, three children who close family who are always supportive of each other and five beautiful grandchildren. Yeah, not many people can, can do all that and, you know, and say all that. And 
And so, um, you know, there's so many positives. And I think it doesn't mean that you deny the negatives or you bury your head in the sand. It's just you try and look at everything. You try and look at everything. And then you allow those 10, 20 minutes of massive grief to come through when they when they come through. Um, it's a bit like when I, I taught, did a video about worry time, where I was like, I'm not saying don't worry, but just allocate 10 minutes to all of your worrying and then, rather than have like a second here and then a second later and a second there. And I guess that's what um david hawkins is saying with the grief which obviously is more unexpected you can't control that so much but um yeah i, I like i like that idea and hopefully um you know that that will process in the in the months and years to come and and i'll be continuing to do the practices that work as well in my in my life which hopefully will facilitate that and uh, and, and help with that journey as well I think maybe a nice way to finish is actually a book I got for Christmas um, from my dad uh, called The Proud Highway by Hunter S. Thompson. Uh-huh. And in there, in there, there is a, a, a quote. And um, I think it's a nice way to, to think back when that time comes for me to reflect on, on, you know, when anyone close to me goes, and hopefully that helps you as well. But it says here, life should not be a journey to the grave with the intention of arriving safely in a pretty and well-preserved body, but rather to skid in broadside in a cloud of smoke, thoroughly used up, totally worn out and loudly proclaiming, wow, what a ride. Absolutely. I, I, I do like a bit of Huntress Thompson. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah, absolutely appropriate. And yeah. And by the way, actually, I did buy a couple of copies of that book that you suggested last night, the Fox, the Mole and the thing have you seen it now what wonderful wonderful book I, I mean, different versions I, I bought the one uh, two versions of the same which were probably the ones you were talking about but it's the illustration of did they make a cartoon of it or did yeah they make it yeah made a cartoon that's been released as well but yeah it's yeah, a, so, one, so the, one i was referring to was a beautifully artistically drawn out book it's in my in my i probably because i bought the, both the same so i bought one for each niece uh the nine-year-old nieces um so I don't know if they've read it yet, um, but one thing I did do as well is I bought, um, and you might want to consider this as well for um, Eva and maybe even Leo in a couple of years, but um, I bought the How to Win Friends and Influence People for Teenage Girls or something for my 11-year-old niece. But what I suggested to her, and I still need to give her, is, and I remember hearing a podcast once where there was this 16-year-old millionaire or whatever, and he was like, oh, you know, what happened is that my parents and uncles or whatever they would give me books to read and they would pay me like five bucks every time I wrote, read the book and talked about it or whatever. And he didn't obviously earn the money to be a millionaire from that, but he said he applied what he was learning in the books to do that. And so what I've done is I've created like a template for my niece of like what the book was about. Um, and then a kiss, a kiss formula for, for what they're going to keep doing, what they're going to improve doing, what are they going to stop doing, what they're going to start doing based on what they've read. And I've said to her, if she fills that in and then also delivers a you know one to five minute verbal presentation to me or other adults, then I'll give her you know five pound, ten pound, or something. Love like that. that. What a great and idea. I'm yeah, that as well. Brilliant. Yeah, I think uh, I'll send you the template that I've created. I've yet to print it off and give it to her because my printer doesn't work. Um, but I because she's now eleven, and I think when you get you know eleven, twelve, thirteen, you, you know, I, I know they have a lot of work and schoolwork and stresses because I I teach teenagers, but I think it would be good as an incentive to earn extra pocket money. And yeah, for sure. Teaches them that skill of public speaking, but also to really read the book with attention of what they're going to take away from it. Love that. A uh, great idea. Yeah, send me send me your template. I'll I'll use that yeah. with my own kids for sure. Yeah. Well, look, buddy. Um, thank you for having the strength to come and join me on the show today. And have a little chat. I know we talk, we talked privately already, but it's um it's a different thing to to bring it into the public domain, right? So 
Um, I'm sure everyone listening to this is sending you their best wishes, their condolences, their love, their support. Certainly we are here at the Day family and all of that to to your mum, to your sister, to you, to everyone that, that, that was touched by your dad in that positive, in that positive way. Um, Obviously, I'm going to be planning now to hopefully deliver this poem tomorrow in a way that doesn't mean I break down in front of everybody. Uh, yeah. I've heard a technique, then if it's true, that if you hold your ear, uh, it stops the tears from flowing. So maybe I'll just right. do that while I'm telling. I, I don't know if it works. Next Thursday. Okay. Yeah, I might be squeezing it tightly tomorrow, but uh, hopefully yeah. we'll be there tomorrow celebrating uh, 50 wonderful years for my parents. And um, look, I hope everything continues to go as well as it possibly can and it was a very difficult moment and um i you know i'm always here for you to chat to well well at any time irrespective of when we're recording and um i look forward to catching up with you again in a couple of weeks thank you i appreciate that and i appreciate all our listeners as well for tuning into this episode and and uh, following along our journey as well and if anyone is interested in finding out more about some of the things that we do do um obviously harry is a health and wellness expert uh, do reach out. Our email is in the show notes. Um, if you're interested in, ex- in executive coaching support or or just wanted to reach out with some comments, feedback, anything like that, do reach out to, to either of us. I'll put both emails in the show notes. Uh, we're very keen to hear feedback. Many of you do already, which is wonderful. We've got a, a listener that manages our, our Instagram channel and listeners that have bought Harry's book and other things. So but please do reach out. Um, and if you want to offer your support or condolences to Harry, then I'm sure he'd love to add those comments to the, to the, the book he's putting together. So um, Harry, thank you. Sending you all my love, my best wishes, buddy. And um, I look forward to catching up soon. Thank you, Nick. And bye-bye, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Mindful Past podcast with Nick Day and Harry Kalimnios. We hope you found our discussions insightful and hopefully you've gained some valuable takeaways to support you on your own journey. Please leave us a review on your preferred podcast platform and share an episode that resonates with you with a friend or family member who may also find it valuable. Please also don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to ensure you never miss a future episode. And in the meantime, we'll continue exploring mindful path topics to provide you with more insights and more ideas to support you on your personal growth journey. Thank you for your support and look out for the next episode of the Mindful Path podcast dropping soon.